Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, one and all, to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome on this beautiful summer day to this day of worship. We are delighted that you're here, and we hope that everybody feels very much at home here at GPC. Thank you so much for being with us in person, and we know that people are joining our live stream right now. Thank you so much for your presence also. We're grateful that we can be united as a congregation in many ways, in person, virtually, united by God's Holy Spirit as we come to praise and worship God on this day. If you are joining us online, then there is an online bulletin that you can download. You go to the main webpage, you'll see the place to download the bulletin. You'll also see the place where you can sign the online friendship pad, and you can sign that online. Let us know of your presence worshiping with us online, just as our folks here in the sanctuary have the the maroon friendship pad with the yellow pages in it. If you see that on the inside aisle of your pew, if you would sign that, and if you would just mark your presence with us, we'd be delighted, especially if you're a visitor, especially delighted to receive your phone number or your email, and that we can then contact you and thank you personally for worshiping God with us today. So welcome, one and all, to everybody worshiping with us. If you are a visitor, there are yellow visitor bags in the narthex, yellow, bright yellow bags that have GPC information in them uh, about who we are as a congregation and different groups that we have, just a snapshot of who we are as a church. And so if you want to pick up a yellow visitor's bag, if you're a visitor, then we'd be so happy for you to do that. After each service, we have a minister down front. We have uh, one of us will be here right at this uh, center aisle, and we're delighted to answer any questions that visitors may have about our church, things about our adult Sunday schools or youth Sunday schools and when and where they meet, or if you have a special need of any kind, if you have um, an upcoming surgery or somebody in your family who needs prayer, then please do come see the minister down front, and, uh, and, and they'll be happy to pray with you and, uh, and know more about what you need uh, God's grace in your life for. So please see the minister down front. Um, we are so glad that all of our um, Sunday schools are back up and running and that things are um, moving forward. And uh, please do find a, a class for you, a place for your child or youth member of your family. All of these different uh, places of education, places of learning, places of growth for you here at GPC. We're delighted for everybody to be to be back up and running with us as we start our, our fall schedule. Don't forget, parents of youth, there's a meeting in uh, Warren Hall just after this worship service at 12.15 or so for you to come to and to get a schedule, to get uh, an idea of what we're doing in youth ministry this fall, to, uh, to meet Christopher if you haven't met Christopher yet, and to, uh, just to get uh, up to speed on all that we're doing in our youth ministry program you can come to Warren Hall after this service, and we'll start roughly 10 or 15 minutes after we're finished in here. In the bulletin, you'll see a PW announcement, and it's about a training that will be uh, taking place next Saturday, this coming Saturday, the 28th, um, a week from yesterday. Susie will be leading that, and it's about this uh, Falls Bible study. And so um, you should have received a link to that, and I think an even updated link with the time of 10 o'clock in that. So please do join that if you can. If you're part of the PW uh, uh, group and the upcoming Bible study, then please do join that training session this coming Saturday at 10. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who helped with uh, last night's Ramblers concert. It was so much fun. We're so grateful for uh, Chuck Utterback and the Ramblers, his group that uh, he's been part of uh, for 40 years, he said. That's hard to believe, but 40 years they have been uh, gracing people like us with their music and entertainment, and it was so much fun. And thank you on behalf of our whole staff for uh, what, a, what a generous gift it was for um, you, the congregation, to appreciate the staff as part of that gathering and that dinner last night. And so for everybody who contributed to that, our Congregational Life Committee, we had people on our stewardship team who were part of that. And so please hear from the bottom of our heart as a staff our gratitude and appreciation for everything, all the gifts and the kind words uh, that were received as part of that last night. Thank you. On September the 12th, we'll have an inquirer's lunch in Warren Hall about anybody who's interested in joining GPC. We've had a lot of people worship with us online and in person during COVID, and uh, they've been wondering about learning more about GPC, and so we have these inquirer's luncheons once a quarter or so, and the next one is September the 12th. You'll see Amy Phillips' information there in your bulletin. You could email her or call her and get your name on the list. Um, and then we'll have folks who join the church the following Sunday as a part of a session meeting. So please contact Amy, and we know there are people who are interested in learning more. It doesn't mean you have to join if you come to the, church, to the luncheon. You might just want to know more about who we are. You might just want to learn some. Um, and then if the time is right after that to join, then, then that's good too. So contact Amy Phillips about that. Last but not least, don't forget about our evening worship tonight at uh, 6 o'clock in Warren Hall, and again, it's a blended service. Please come uh, back to that, or please come to that. Uh, if you can't come in person this morning, come back to that. It's a little different uh, form of worship and music, but still glorifying and edifying God in all that we do. So come tonight at 6 o'clock to evening worship in Warren Hall. Friends, those are all of our announcements, and now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Good morning. We gather in Christ's name to fill this place with our praise of God. God is worthy of our devotion. Please stand and join me in our call to worship. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, indeed it faints, for the courts of the Lord. Happy are those who live in your house ever singing your praise. Happy are those whose strength is in you. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be in a good keeper in the house of my God than live in the tents of wickedness. Let us worship God. 
God is merciful and just, and God is quick to forgive those who repent. Let us acknowledge our need for God's grace. Let us pray. Holy God, have mercy on us, we pray. You invite us to experience generous love, yet we choose differently. You offer us an escape from rage, yet every day we seethe with anger. You provide grace to us so that we can do the same to others, but we often refuse it and prefer alienation. Have mercy on our sin-sick souls and renew us today with generous love, reconciling mercy and amazing grace. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ's death on the cross reconciles us to God. His resurrection brings us new life in God's presence. I declare to you that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As our children come forward for the children's sermon, please greet those around you with a sign of God's peace.
You know, our day begins here at GPC early on a Sunday morning, and, and part of the beginning is a meeting with the pastors at 8 o'clock, and we look over the whole service for 8, 30, and 11, and we, and we just want to anticipate how everything will flow, and then we pray for the day here. We pray together about the worship service, and we often pray that everybody who comes will have one moment at some point during the service where they feel closer to God, and we know that so often that happens through music. And so, Brianna, thank you so much for that solo. It happens for me during music often uh, enough in this service, and I think for a lot of us it did just then for, for many of us in what you sang. And then to welcome a new musician among us today. We're so delighted that Michael Anderson is here and that Michael is, uh, will be singing for us, uh, first time here at GPC. Um, and uh, uh, thank you so much for being with us and for joining our musical ranks and for singing and for sharing with us here at GPC all of your God-given talents. Thank you and welcome, Michael, to GPC. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we know that you can fire our minds and you can fire our imaginations like no one else. And so as we read from these words from James, O oh God, we pray that you would make their meaning alive to us. Lord, give us a sense of direction for our lives. Give us a purpose in our faith as we listen now with our hearts even more than our ears. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Part of our evolving out of COVID and back into um, normal life, whatever that is, is that we're, we're not printing the Scripture lessons in the bulletin anymore. We know some people really like that, and, and, uh, but it also takes up a lot of space, especially when there's a slightly longer reading today. Um, and so, again, if it's not in the bulletin, um, we invite you to turn to the Bible you may have brought with you. There are pew Bibles in there um, that you can turn to as well. And it, it, what we learned during COVID is that it does help people to have it printed there because even if I read it, if you're, if you're reading it along when I'm speaking it out loud, it helps absorb even more. So I invite you to turn to your Bible or the Pew Bible as we read our New Testament lesson this morning that comes to us from James 1, starting in verse 12. Blessed is anyone who endures temptation. Such a one has stood the test and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Now, no one when tempted should say, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and He Himself tempts no one. But one is tempted by his or her own desires, being lured and enticed by it. Then, when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and then that sin, when fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of His purpose, He gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of His creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to anger, slow to speak, 
For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness. Welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. So be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like someone who looks at themselves in the mirror. For they look at themselves, and on going away, they forget what they look like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and those who persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. Finally, if any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues and deceive in their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So when you were were in elementary school, maybe some of you are there now, Did your teacher ever do an experiment about planting and growing, about seeds and sunlight and how things grow? I imagine so. It seems like it's part of every curriculum at some point in elementary school. It usually goes something like this. Your teacher hands you one of those biodegradable peat pots, and then you put two or three inches of dirt in it, and then your teacher hands you a seed. Now, I remember this experiment, and one thing our teacher did was to give us different types of seeds. So somebody got a bean or a tomato, or somebody got a flower, a zinnia. Somebody got something flowering. Somebody got something that was a vegetable, something that you could eat. You take your allotted seeds. You dig your finger two or three inches down into that dirt, put the seed down, cover it up, put a few drops of water in there, put them all on the windowsill of the classroom, and you wait. And you wait, and you check it about three or four or six days later, and in some of the peat pots, there's a little green shoot that's just starting to emerge. And then a week later, in some of those peat pots, there's, there's not just a shoot, but there are leaves that are coming up in, in most of those peat pots. And then you wait another two or three weeks and you keep on watering it. And some of them, there are flowers that are starting to grow, maybe even starting to, to produce flowers and, and bloom. And there are others, these vegetables, these beans that are starting to grow long and viney in almost everybody's peat pot, except for mine. <laughs> I was the one who got the bad seed, so my teacher said, and the peat pot produced Nothing. Absolutely. And our teacher was really nice. I remember this one. I remember doing this several times, but this particular time my teacher was nice and said, oh, I probably gave you a bad seed. It wasn't your fault. It's just that just happens every now and then. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. So I didn't experience the miracle of growth in that moment, but I, I think I've mentioned this before. Um, I did get to see the miracle of growth and agriculture at the big garden that my dad would plant every spring down at the family farm. Now, I could still pass by that fenced-in area today, and it was big. It was a quarter of an acre, which in rough terms is about the size of this sanctuary. (laughs) What made him think we needed a garden that big? I have no idea. Dream, Dream big, I guess. So 
my siblings and I were on a, on a family Zoom call this week talking about some family business, but we digressed a little bit to remember that garden. And my sister reminded us what it was like when my dad, we planted that garden, when he sort of forced labored us down to start by putting black plastic over the whole thing just so the weeds wouldn't get light and they wouldn't spring up, or if they did, they'd be hidden. And my sister reminded us what it was like to sit on black plastic in shorts in Mississippi in the spring and cut holes every three feet apart and then plant a little seed in them. After you'd been there 30 minutes, you didn't need to get up. You could just slide across the plastic because of the sunlight and the heat. And then, of course, we planted all of those great plants. We would plant and put in seeds, all of those wonderful things like zucchini and squash and and tomatoes and eggplants, all those things that kids just love to eat (laughs) or not. Maybe you've got memories like that. Go from that and and take what is a, a biblical moment and go from that type of growing to ask yourself, what is growing in your life? What's growing in the soil of your soul? Because it's just true, it's true in Scripture uh, that, that the most often used analogy to talk about faith and the growth of faith and to, to make illustrations about who God is and who Christ is and who we are, the analogy that's used, the symbol that's used more than anything else, is the symbol of growing of trees and of plants and of gardens and of vines and of vineyards and of fruit. These growing analogies and symbols appear all over Scripture. The most used analogy or symbol to talk about about who we are and, and who we should be as followers of Christ. So what is growing in your life? What's growing in your soil? Jesus, of course, uses this type of imagery all the time. Maybe one of the most famous is the the parable of the sower. A sower goes out to to sow, and he just scatters this seed in what seems like a random random act where it just throws seed everywhere. And the seed is going to land on all kinds of different soil. Some of the soil is so packed down by people walking on it that it's a pathway and the seed will never penetrate it, and within an hour or two, birds come along and they eat those seeds, and it's gone. Some of the seed is going to fall into ground that's dirt, but it's also rocky. And that rocky soil won't allow the seeds to, to grow very much. They'll grow up a little bit, but they can't put roots down in that soil. And then when the heat comes out, the plants wither up and die. Some of the soil, said Jesus, some of the soil is good soil, but in addition to, to growing seeds, it also grows thorns. Thorns will grow up, and, and eventually the thorns will choke out whatever good seed was thrown into that soil. And then, said Jesus, and then there is that soil. That soil with the right place and the right circumstance and the right kind of soil in it where that seed will take root and it will penetrate, it will go down. And that seed will grow up wonderfully and produce. Now, Jesus told this parable on a day while the seashore, there were masses of crowds out there. Jesus then goes and he talks about this parable with his disciples and talks about the seed being the word. 
The seed is the Word, and it's scattered out almost randomly to all kinds of soil. And then he talks about things like the thorns being the cares of this world and how they grow up and they, they cause the, the plant not to thrive. Jesus interprets this parable for His disciples, and every one of those disciples, of course, would have gotten the point. They would have asked of themselves, well, then what kind of soil am I? What kind of soil am I if I'm hearing this seed, this word be scattered about and it lands on my life? What kind of soil am I? Does it disappear quickly? Does it grow for a little while? Is it choked out by the worries and the concerns of my life? Or does it grow? Does it grow in me? One of the really fascinating things about James is he's going to use a word in this reading that we read that is absolutely unique to him. It's used in this reading, and it's not used any other time in Scripture. He's going to pick up on this gardening imagery and all this kind of symbolism, and he uses the word there in verse 21. He uses the word planted. He says this, Welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. And of course, you, you understand what James is saying. He's saying that, that, that anyone who this word about Christ, this message about Christ, anybody who hears these stories about His healing and in His love, you hear the story about His crucifixion, you hear the great story about His resurrection, you hear these words that, that become combined into this one word, word. You hear the word of life. You hear the word of salvation. You hear the word of goodness, the word of glory. You hear the word of Christ that God implants that in your soul. What kind of soil am I when that seed has been scattered? So James is going to do something that other New Testament writers do. He is going to combine the word Word, that whole message of Christ, the Word of Christ, the Word of salvation, the Word of God's glory. He's going to combine it in this reading with the word truth. So he's going to talk about the Word of truth that is implanted in our souls. The Word of truth. So what happens here in chapter 1, and again, we mentioned this last week, chapter 1 is kind of a prelude of the following chapters. So James is going to introduce the main themes here in chapter 1, and he's going to mention other things briefly in these following paragraphs that he will expound upon later in James. So he does that here. He talks about welcome this implanted word. And then it's, it's interesting, he kind of goes between negatives and positives. He's going to talk about something positive about this word of truth, and then something negative that this word of truth reveals about us or about human behavior. So that this word of truth has both overall good news to it. It is good news, the word of truth. But the word of truth, when we first hear it, you know, the word of truth that is implanted in us sometimes doesn't feel so good. Sometimes it feels bad because it is revealing. It reveals something about us. It reveals so much about us, that God implants this truth with a capital T, that God digs through the, the, the layers, God digs through the plastic, God digs through the things that we try to hide from other people, God digs through the barriers, through the roots, God turns up the soil of your soul, and He's going to plant this word of truth. 
But at first, it might feel like something bad. Instead of being good news, it feels bad because it's sometimes unwanted. Sometimes it's upsetting. Sometimes it's disconcerting and painful. Because when you see that word of truth, that seed is planted, you hear the word of truth about Christ. When you see Jesus in His totality of who He really is, it reveals who we are. So we see His perfection, for example. And we cannot help, about, cannot help but think about our imperfections and sins. We see His incredible generosity, and then we sometimes realize how selfish we can be. We see His love for everybody, and then we realize how many people we do not love, and even those we sometimes loathe. We see how much He heals, and we, it reveals how broken we actually are. We see His kindness, and we then have our own flashes of anger. We hear His teachings, we realize how His teachings are supposed to set our priorities, and we look at our own priorities, and they're all jumbled and mixed up and not aligned with His priorities. So there is a bad news angle to the truth. So, for example, if you look back through this reading, you will see this this sort of bad news angle of the word of truth. He's going to talk about, for example, temptation. In one of those little paragraphs there, he talks about temptation. He talks about how eager we are, how how ready we are always to look to some other source for the troubles that we are experiencing or the mistakes that we make or the failures that we make. We are so eager and ready to blame them on somebody else. It wasn't my fault. I was just tempted beyond my control. Some people even maybe saying that God was the source of that test or temptation. Maybe fate or the devil or him or her, whoever made this mess come up in my life. It's not my fault. got to be somebody else's. And James says, no. No, don't be deceived. So he talks about that angle of capital T, truth. The truth implanted in us will also make us acknowledge our anger. And you see that, that paragraph again, it's, he goes from temptation to something positive to something then negative, talking about anger, that everybody has a temper. Uh, uh, everybody has a temper. And some people's thermometers will reach the boiling point before others, but everybody has a temper inside each one of us, a kind of destructive anger that explodes and wreaks havoc of people in our lives. He says this, you must understand this, my beloved, let everybody be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. How many times do we get that formula backwards? How are we quick to anger, quick to speak, and we are so slow to listen sometimes? I know I am. He says, James does, your anger does not produce God's righteousness. So he is acknowledging there is, a, there is a kind of righteous anger that God does get angry. Um, for example, aroused by injustice, Jesus grew angry when the people in the temple were taken advantage of, when the strong were exploiting the weak. That will definitely cause God's thermometer to go up in righteous indignation. The problem for us is that we get indignant, and it's usually not righteous. It almost always leads to sin. We lash out at family. We lash out because we cannot control other people and their choices. And so we just get angry at them. People don't do what we think they ought to do, and so we get angry. People make mistakes. 
We get angry at them. We get angry around politics, of course. We get angry about all kinds of things, and it just happens in a flash. Have you ever gotten angry in the car at somebody else for something that just came out of nowhere and they cut you off? And you just got, so you went from joyfully singing along with the radio to getting angry just like that because of some other driver cut you off or like what happened to me on the little stretch of 240 this morning coming to church at 7.30 in the morning, somebody drove by me at like 95 miles an hour in a red Mustang. And I was just like, you were crazy. And I got angry just like that. Ever gotten angry on the phone when customer service didn't serve you like you deserved? Of course you have. You know, when I was in high school, I had a cassette tape. I played a lot of a guy who called himself Leroy Mercer, who lived in East Tennessee. Anybody by any chance remember these tapes of Leroy Mercer? Of course, his real name was John Bean, and he prank-called businesses in this incredible East Tennessee country accent like Tomacan Shoe Store or C&C Auto. And he got all riled up and angry, which the purpose, of course, was to rile up and, and get so angry get the people on the other line angry, and there was, he was always threatening to whoop them, and it ain't nothing for me to whoop somebody, and he would, just, he would just beat them up verbally and get everybody so riled up and angry, and the whole call descended into anger and threats, and it's kind of funny, I guess, if you're, except for the one receiving that call, it's kind of funny if you're in on the joke, but our anger every day is no joke. It's no joke. You know it's a prank and it's funny, but there are real threats that happen for people every day. People just get so angry. Anger is a motivating force that's just churned up in all of our guts. And, and I know I say this a lot, and you know, you know this as well, that there are no independent journalists anymore. All journalism is advocacy journalism. And so the rare news station that's actually objective is so few and far between. The purpose of modern media, including social media, is to make you angry about something at somebody. That's the purpose for it exists because it gets more clicks, because then it gets more advertising revenue. The angrier you get, the more you watch, the more money they make. That's just the way it is now. Having the truth implanted in your life will cause you to deal with your anger in ways that are Christ-like and necessary. This implanted word of truth, it will also cause you to think about the way you speak. We'll cover this more when we get to James 3, and it's all about taming the tongue, but he's going to mention it here. If you call yourself faithful and religious, but you don't bridle your tongue, do you know the word he called, he used to call your faith? He called it worthless. If you speak in a way that's degrading or denying or somehow wishing harm on somebody else, it's a pretty harsh word for each one of us. So that's the bad news angle. The good news angle, it's all written in there as well. It talks about generosity. James is going to flip it and alternate paragraph after paragraph in here. But he's also going to talk about if that word of truth is planted in your life. Get ready for a kind of generosity to you, that you will experience from God that you can never imagine before. 
He's going to compare it to, he's going to say the father of lights. It's like God is shining light into the soil of your soul. And, and that light is cleansing it and it's healing and it's, it's getting those funguses to just disappear and dry up that God is going to cause so many blessings and such generous, generosity in your life that you can't even imagine it. And then you will share that generosity with everybody around you. Those who live by the word of truth implanted in their lives will become doers of the word. Not just hearers, but doers. And he's talking about your identity. That you will hear the word and and, and not just walk away from having that image in front of you and, and then forgetting that. It will shape your whole identity and how you see yourself when you become a doer of the word. And then you're given a mission and a purpose. A mission and a purpose. He talks about it here. This is what we do. We are called to look after those who are weaker, those who are exploitable, those who are vulnerable. Religion that is pure and blameless before God, says James, is to look after widows and orphans in their distress. Do you remember the first ministry the New Testament talks about for that early New Testament church? It's there in Acts 6. It is a feeding ministry for Christian widows. Because they are on their own in a society that definitely would have uh, exploited them, that they need daily bread. And so the church provided that daily bread. That is what we do. That is our mission and purpose. To look after those who are weak and those who are vulnerable. That's what happens when the word of truth is implanted in your soul. So James is inviting us to consider also what kind of, of soil is in us. What kind of soil do we have? Let the light of God's love in, my friends. Let that sunlight and that heat clean the dirt of your soul and kill that fungus and whatever it is that is rank and growing in you. Welcome. Welcome the implanted word, says James. Welcome the implanted word into your life because that is the power to save your soul. Amen. As God has fed us this morning through planting the seed of his holy words in our hearts, I invite you to stand as you are able and join me as we recommit ourselves to this faith, this Savior, by reciting the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. My siblings in Christ, we have been blessed to hear God's word read and proclaimed to us. And we have stood together and affirmed our faith. 
And now we have an opportunity to come before God in prayer, praying for the world, praying for our neighbors, our community, our family members, and ourselves. And so during this prayer of intercession, I will invite you to respond. When I say, Lord, in your mercy, you may respond here our prayer. And I will leave a space of silence that you may name out loud or in your hearts those that are near and dear to you and to this community of faith. So let us now turn to God in prayer. Jesus taught his disciples to step away and come before God in prayer for one another and for others. And so we step away now from the noise of the world as we offer our prayers to Almighty God. We give thanks to God for awakening each one of us into this new day, drawing us near to God in worship, and calling us to be God's vessels of kindness, forgiveness, and love. In obedient, thankful gratitude, we offer to Almighty God our prayers for the world, for those in need of God's healing mercies, from this coronavirus, from our divisions, from our haughtiness of believing that we have all the answers while others do not. Heal us, we pray, reminding us that we are yours, Almighty God, even when we stray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy God, we pray for those who are seeking safety and shelter and solace today, especially those in the pathways of hurricanes and wildfires and tornadoes and other natural disasters. We especially pray for the people of Haiti, for they are in desperate need of your tender love and our help. We pray, too, for the citizens of Afghanistan. May the way be clear for the evacuation of all of those in need. May they be safe, we pray, and may we prepare to receive them, those that need to come into our own community. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are called into leadership leadership of churches and governments and businesses and schools. Bless each one with your vision, holy God, and draw them near to you in prayer before they speak and before they act. We pray for students of all ages, from the youngest to the eldest. We pray for teachers and administrators May they all be blessed with your patience, holy God, with your wisdom and your compassion, your perseverance and your strength. May they care for one another as they continue in this new school year. And may they be blessed, we pray, with your safekeeping and good health. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray, too, for medical professionals, and for caregivers. May they be blessed 
with your strength and renewal for the facing of each new day. And may we be the ones who help to keep each other safe. We pray, too, for those whom we dearly love, and we name them before you now. Lord God of love and mercy and healing, you have heard us name out loud and those that we've named in our hearts. We ask your blessings to be with them, providing for each one all that they need for this day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy God, all by your kindness and compassion, we respond in obedient faithfulness to you. May your word implanted into our souls cause us to become more than mere hearers, but truly doers of your word. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And hear us now as we join all of our many voices into one and pray the very prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. My friends, all that we have and all that we are are gifts to us from Almighty God. And so whether you are worshiping with us online or worshiping with us in person, let us give with great joy and generosity to the work of God's church and the coming of God's kingdom. Amen.
pray with me. God, we do praise you. We praise you, and as we look over the landscape of our lives, we cannot help but say thank you. And so we give to you these tithes and offerings out of obedience to your teachings and out of a deep gratitude that erupts from our souls, knowing that you are the Lord of all life. And you have allowed us the incredible opportunity to partner with you in the new life in the kingdom of heaven that you are bringing about in this world. So take these tithes and offerings and bless and magnify them for your glory that all who look upon us and interact with this community of faith may see you 
This we pray in your precious name. Amen. People of God, stand firm, keep alert, be courageous and strong, and let everything you do be done in love. So go out into this world to love and serve the Lord. Go out to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And as you go, may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen. Amen.